that question once again. What makes the difference between a passive faith, one that has a, a faith and, and one that is full on in faith? You know, you, have you ever seen people that you know are just sold out for Jesus, yeah? Sold out and, and active and, and doing what, they're, you know, what they should be doing. What is the difference between those two um, extremes? What makes somebody sit back and watch as somebody else is tortured, like um, Father Maximilian Klob? Yeah, I think that was his last name, yeah? Yeah, and what, 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 what makes the difference? What is the difference? And as you ponder that in your mind... It's interesting that in the Bible, we have a teacher. You're like Jesus called disciples. Remember? And I'd like you to turn over to Mark chapter 1, because that's where we're going to start. So Mark chapter 1, and, and yeah, chapter 1, and verse 16 to 20. So if you, you turn over there. 60 times when people talked to Jesus in the Gospels. They called him rabbi or teacher. Rabbi or teacher. What, what is a rabbi or a teacher? Is it like Janine up the front of a, a class or, or any of our teachers here? Is it, is it like that? Well, when they... Um, it has all sorts of implications for us. And what we're going to explore today is a little bit of what it looked like to be a follower of Jesus. So this, this passage that has gone away, um, so we'll just get, go verse 16. We're going to read. This is the, the calling, and, and you will be familiar with these. Um, verse 16, it says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people, hmm. to be fishers of men. Um, once they, they'd left their nets and followed him, just take notice of that little passage. And I will send you out to, be, to fish for people. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Hmm. So, first of all, we have these disciples. Now, just flip over to the next page. And in chapter 2 of Mark, we have the next one, who was Matthew. And, and we read in verse 13 of chapter 2... Oh, yeah, we've got it there. Yep. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. And he began to teach, and as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now remember, these guys were sitting beside the road. A tax collector, we, we think of a tax collector as just an ordinary person, you know? Um, working for, does anybody work for the ATO here? Maybe not, I'm going to put your hand up, but... Um, but the ATO, you're like a, it, it, we think of it like that. It was all clinical. But the reality is these tax collectors could actually, they had to give a certain amount to the Romans. 
They were working on behalf of the Romans. But this guy was a Jew. So he was seen as not kosher. He wasn't seen, he was seen as a traitor. And they could also take extra things. So if they saw something they wanted, they would put an extra 20% on, 30% on, just because they could. So they weren't ethical in, in that way, mostly. Maybe there were some. But for, he sees, Jesus walks past, and it's not the person that you would walk past and say, hey, come and, and be my disciple. But he sees something in Matthew. He says, um, and then we have what is known as the Matthew party, isn't it? Where when he calls Matthew, Matthew doesn't leave it there. And a lot of times we ask people, to, when they become Jesus people, to come out of their, where they are and come and be a part of the Christian enclave, the church. Leave your friends, don't have anything to do with friends, and come and sit in church. Is that what happened here? No. What happened? Jesus went to them. Because this is where it's claimed that he was, you know, it's not the healthy that needs a doctor, verse 17, but the sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So he goes and has a party with his friends. So Matthew takes Jesus right into the heart of his world. Introduces Jesus to his friends. Isn't that pretty cool? How do we introduce Jesus to our friends, to our family, our, our world, when it's not that easy? For Matthew, it wouldn't have been... Been that easy, I don't think. Let's flip just a little bit to Mark chapter 3. So in Mark chapter 3, verses 13 to 19, is where Jesus appoints the 12. And he says this, Jesus went up on the mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. And they came and he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And these are the 12. And you know the 12. Simon, all, the, all those guys after that. So there's, you know, the first disciples, then Matthew, and then the 12. And then we go over a bit to Matthew, Mark chapter 8. In Mark chapter 8, there's another calling, because there's a group of people up on a mountain. And we know this is as a, one of the where, here we are, Mark 8 and verses 34. And it reads like this, and then he called the crowd to him. So it's this faceless crowd. He doesn't identify anybody, but it's just this faceless crowd of people. Yeah? crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world 
and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Hmm. So do you see this pattern here? You've got this, the request, and it's come and follow me. Come and be a disciple. And the Hebrew word is Talmudin. And you might, have you ever heard of that name? We have in modern society, but it's not associated with Christianity or, or the, the Jewish nations. The, the Talmudin you would find in Middle East and culture. But Talmudin, and it can be translated, and I think as, as follower. Now, when you think of a follower, how many people do you follow on Facebook or on Instagram? You know, what does it take to follow on, on Instagram? Does it take anything? You just click a button and then every now and again you see a post. You know, I just, you know, I just saw a post. I, I follow one of my mates. His dog, after 13 years, Lyle's dog died. It was a police dog, so a police officer died the other day. He was uh, he, a bomb dog, so he was a Belgian shepherd. He could jump over and take a throat out. It was a pretty, pretty vicious dog, but it was um, for Paul Lyle. You know, but I follow him, and I, I, I got that. Is that the type of follower we're talking about there? No, I don't think so. That's not, not what it be. And it's erroneous to follow or, you know, do you follow a, a great teacher or a preacher? You know, who's got somebody that they follow on, you know, some of, them, some of you might follow, and maybe you don't want to say it, you know, it might be something that's not quite kosher in here. But, but is that the type of follow that this is talking about? I don't believe that. Maybe it's Jordan Peterson. You know, he's become, you know, lots of followers. How many followers is he? One of my friends has 1.8 million followers. A young guy, he's only, uh, what would he be, 32, Sonia? About, about uh, 32, Joel, Joel Brown, you know, um, gave his heart to Jesus. 1.8 million followers. That's a pretty influential thing. But the followers that he has are pretty loose. They're not like this. So a follower, Talmudin. And the best analogy is an apprentice. So, and it was first used by Rabbi Hillel, in, um, and it wasn't really used in Jewish culture. And sadly, in church, it, um, it's kind of taken out of context. But in the first, there were three levels of follower. Okay. In, in, the old, in that New Testament time, there were three levels. First level, it's called the Beth Sefer, the house of the book. And in that house of the book, they learnt the Bible from the book. So they learnt the first five books. Get that one out. First five books of the Bible. But guess what? They learnt them off by heart. Do you know Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? Do you know them all off by heart? Who would know them off by heart? Different culture, huh? But these guys were from five to ten when they actually learned it off by heart. So in your classes, Janine, you'd be teaching them to know 
the, the, the first five books of the, of the Bible. Then the next one, um, and that was boys and girls. It wasn't just the, the girls, uh, the, the guys. And then the girls would go off because by the age of 13 they'd be married and the guys would keep on going. And, and it was the Beth uh, Talmud. And this was the ages 12 to 15. Now, it was an oral culture and they learnt the rest of the Old Testament. Can you imagine that? I remember, you know, I wasn't that great at Greek. I did two years of Greek. And my final exam, I, uh, I, and I should have put it into the, learning all the declensions and stuff like that, and I do, do know a little of them, but I learnt the whole book of Hebrews. That took a while. I could recognise any, any whiff of that passage and I could just rattle it off in the Revised Standard Version. So, and yet here these guys would go the whole of the Old Testament from scrolls and learn, wrote. That's pretty huge, isn't it? It's very foreign to our culture. But then there was the Talmudin, the next level, the best of the best. They would be interviewed and sit with a rabbi and interviewed for aptitude. They became... Apprentices. Yeah? So only the best of the best. And they'd sit with the rabbi, they'd move in with the rabbi 24-7, they'd eat, sleep, drink, spend time with. And there was a, a Hebrew saying that following a rabbi is um, covered in the dust of the rabbi. So wherever the rabbi went, they were up close enough to suck in the dust. I don't know whether you've ever been following somebody down a road after, on a dusty road. Not good. Well, these guys, you know, even when those dusty roads, they were sucking the dust of the rabbi because they just wanted to be close and, and together with him. Now, we often live as though we live in a world that it's all about me, yeah? It's, you know... It's, it's all about you. It's all about me. But for these guys, if you were really good, the rabbi would say this. He would say, well, I'll make you a great teacher and you can be a fisher of men. Did you hear that in the sayings when Jesus was asking them to be fishers of men? Interesting, hey? So... Jesus' world was all about being like the rabbi, both in religious and secular sphere, if there was that delineation back then. I don't believe there was with Jesus. So it was all about... And the, the third thing that they were trying to do was to do what the rabbi did. So they'd learnt, sat with, and then they became the rabbi where they become fishers of men. And I hope that after a while, the rabbi would say, you go and make those disciples yourself. Be with Jesus is most important. To spend every moment with Jesus. And, and we're called to be his disciple, follower. And there's this passage in, in Scripture that in John 8, because Jesus likens us as followers... Um, 
like a, a, a vine. Yeah? And you can read it. You know, I'm the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. So that remain in me? Abide. Abide in me. So as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. My first posting was Mildura. Now, one of the things you know about Mildura is, like, it's wine country or grape country, whatever you like. They have Gordo grapes. Just amazing. Uh, I think um, I was there with Anthony Kent and I were... were Pastor Anthony and I were... were a team there with Sonia and, and Deborah. And what we would do, we, we'd actually go and the only way we could visit was by going and actually pruning. Well, well it's pruning season. Three days a week we'd be out with people pruning or picking grapes. Uh, um, you know, it, it was pretty good. It was a bit messy sometimes because you'd, you'd team um, and you'd be cutting and slashing with this knife to get the, the Gordo grapes off, and they'd be just dropping. So one would be over the top, one would be down the bottom, and you'd just be slashing, and the, and the grape juice was flowing. It was uh, kind of revenge. Uh, like, if Anthony was down the bottom, I'd be slashing up the top, and if I was down the bottom, he'd be, he'd be cutting and making sure there was juice, and by the end of the day, you were um, pretty sticky and, and gross. But, you know, those vines, you knew if something had happened and a branch had been taken off the vine. If it wasn't connected to the vine, it would die because there was nothing in it. So abide in me and I in you and you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide. What does it look to abide? And Jesus uses that metaphor to say that we need to abide in the vine, abide in Jesus. What does it look to like to abide in Jesus? There we go. Well, um, you know, there were four disciplines that Jesus had. There was, remember, he went off into silence and solitude. You know, in our busy life, what does it look like to have connection with Jesus? Silas, solitude, prayer and fasting. That fasting isn't something that we do, is it, much? Where we take aside, and it might be, you know, sometimes we hear about electronic fasts or we fast where we, we, we come back and, and take time out and concentrate. There's uh, reading the Bible, you know, where, where we actually get into the Word. And I want to encourage you to actually have a set time that you do that? Do you have a routine, a daily routine, where you actually take time out and spend time with, with God? Get into the Word, hear what the Word has to say and let it sit and do its work in you through the Holy Spirit. And what about Sabbath? This time, this space, this space of communion with each other and with God. These are all habits that Jesus had for connection with his Father. And they are habits that, 
you know, um, living in constant awareness of God. Their time-tested methods of abiding in the vine, abiding with God. And I want to encourage you to, to form up these habits and to experiment and see what brings you closer to God. You know, become like Jesus. Do what he did. Be with Jesus. You know, sometimes we think it's, what would Jesus do? You remember those bracelets in the 2000s? What would Jesus do? And it's a bit misleading because it's like, um, you know, abiding, fasting, prayer, awareness. Those are the things that he did. But we think of it as an individual action. All the actions came out of that foundation where he spent time out in communion with his father. Communion with the vine. And so be like emotionally healthy Christians. What does it look like to be an emotionally healthy Christian? Sometimes we haven't even thought about what it looked like to be whole as a Christian. All we've had is a knowledge-based belief that hasn't actually transferred into well-being in your life. But when, when, when God says, you know, you, I give you life and life to the full, that's not a partial life. That's life to the full. You know, have you, you ever poured water in a jar and got to the top? What happens when you get to the top? It just bubbles over, doesn't it? And it's that... that Presence that bubbles over into the world that you are when you're full and, and having life to the full with the Holy Spirit, that can't help but bubble out into your family, into your workplace, into your community, into your neighbourhood because you're full. You're emotionally healthy and you do that rhythm of retreat and then return. You know... We're not talking about monasticism here where, where you just retreat and, and we'll hide over in the corner up here. It's not like that. It's retreat, refresh, and then come back and engage and let that flowing of the Spirit flow out into the world around you in your relationships, in your work, in your ethics, in your voice in the community. If ever there was a place in our world that needed strong Christians, it's now. We have so much diversity going on. You know, every bit of the news that you hear says about things that are kind of falling apart in our society. There's some good things. I understand that. But there are some things that aren't aren't okay as Christians. You know, that difference between wealth and poverty, that gap is just getting larger. What does God... What, what does it look like to overflow in that space and be a voice, both in our actions and in our words? What does it look like to be full to retreat and see the principles that God has for us and then come out and speak hope and grace into the world that we have. To speak equality 
You know, it's interesting that, that Jesus, when he was, um, you know, in society, he was one of the only rabbis that actually had females that followed him. What does that mean for us as a church? You know, today was great. The guys, um, guys got up because uh, maybe Father's Day was great. But there's equality in our society. What does it look like to empower all of us to overflow and be the best that we can be? You know, to allow that, that spirit to flow, that connection with the, the vine to flow out for everybody and connect them in and graft them into the vine. My brother does horticulture, Mark. He um, teaches it down at Olsenville Tate. And one of the things he does is he, he um, gets good rootstock and then he grafts in the best fruit bearer up here with a rootstock that is, that, that is hardy, that can, can withstand um, not having too much uh, in the way of, of water or it can withstand um, salt water or a salty environment or, or all the different things. And they get the rootstock, then they will shove a different... And they can have three different... Yeah, who's got one of those um, citrus plants that has three different uh, crops on it? A grapefruit, a mandarin, a lemon. Yeah, have you seen them? Pretty cool, isn't it? Grafted into the vine. And this is talking about sticking with the vine. We've been grafted into the vine. And so um, all the disciples. Now, what are some of the things that Jesus did? He preached. He teached, taught the way. He uh, healed the sick, he cast out demons, eating and drinking with people far from God, doing justice, peacemaking, praying, prophesying, standing up against religious and political corruption. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Are these the things that we engage in? An apprentice. Now, I did an apprenticeship. Um, at year 10, I left... Uh, and I work for James Glass. James is a big company, Jewish guy. Uh, Joe Saragrossi was the founder. And great guy. Like, uh, he gave us... Um, like, they used to have the work things on Sabbath, and he goes, ah, oh. we went... My brother and I went in and saw him. They used to have their picnics on Sabbath. Went in and saw him and said, oh, look, you know, we, you know, we can't come to the picnic because it's our Sabbath. And he goes, oh, it's my Sabbath too. We'll put it on Sunday. It was, it was pretty interesting. So he, he uh, but you know, when I was, a, uh, I went into the workshop first. What do you think I did? Do you think I went out and fitted a shop front? Do you think I did that? Yeah, well, I was on the broom. That's right. I um, big big workshop on the broom. You know, make sure you wet it down first. Otherwise, the uh, the dust gets all over the glass, blunts the cutters. Can't do it. I wasn't on the gantry crane the first little bit. I was on... We had two gantry cranes, and one, you had to lift it up, so you had the zzz, and we'd have big, um, big long packs of aluminium on it, and on, on the slings, had to learn how to do that. Um, and, but you had to pull the thing along, like, to get it to go sideways. There was no engine on the side. Whereas the other one, the big one, you just push a button and you go, and that was the one for the glass. I didn't get to do 
um, put a, a jumbo sheet of glass, you know, they're pretty big, they're, they're like um, from here to the other sta- side of the stage and as tall as the roof. You know, I didn't get to do that until, you know, probably two years into my trade. I had to learn. But by the time I'd finished, I was processing glass. I could polish all the edges. I could cut glass. I was fitting shower screens. I could, I could work just... And I'd been a foreman in the, in the workshop. You know, and this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, an apprentice. You know, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what he does. Do we get it perfect? Straight off, no. Do we, you know, did I ever make mistakes as a tradesperson? Yeah, I did. Yeah. When I was a, a police officer, when I first came out of the academy, I, um, you know, you have, you've gone through all the criminal code. So you do seven or eight modules in, so you might do property, traffic, um, offences against the person, yeah, all those types of things. And, and you learn all the different charges that can come out, how to form up a charge. When you get out in the workforce, like in, you, it's a two-year traineeship, when you first come out, do you think I could actually get a charge from, of serious assault from here, from taking a complaint to court? And make it stick. Nah. Not a chance. So what would happen is uh, you would take the complaint, take all the witness statements, a detective would come in, see whether your witness statements were, were junk or whether they were good. See whether... You know, and, and you would go through that process. But by the time I'd finished you know, five years in, in the service, I could do... I won't say I could do drugs, but I could, I could do, I could, I, I, I could, I, I could prefer charges because all a police officer does is gets from an offence and prefers it to the court, and then a judge makes a decision. That's all they do because there's they see an offence, time, date, place, any person who, and they get it. So, but for me, my toolbox, it's almost like. We come into the world with bags packed, yeah? And it takes a while to put the tools in the bag that you can actually use. You know, it took me a while to go to the really serious charges that I could actually follow them through and get them into court, especially serious assaults and some of the more domestic violence type offences and embezzlement and stuff like that, it took a while to actually be able to charge. And for us as Christians, as apprentices of Jesus, this is a lifelong apprenticeship. And I want to challenge you to look at it like that. You know, it's... it's um, you know, I don't believe that being a follower of Jesus, of Jesus works as a hobby. Yeah? I'm there, uh, maybe I do it aside from the main point of your life. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't mean you quit your job. 
You follow wherever you are at the moment where God has placed you. God has you in spots that you can be that person of influence doing justice. You can be the person who seeks equality and and shows mercy and leads those in your teams to show those same attributes because you've been filled with the Spirit and it overflows into your workplaces, into your families, your community. What does it look like for us as a church community to be overflowing with God's presence in our world here? You know, the word disciple is used 268 times. We aren't called to be Christian. It's only used three times in the New Testament. Did you know that? Three times. We're called to be disciples. It's used more than any other label in the New Testament to be sons and daughters of God. That's what it means. So what's the difference between being a Christian and being a follower? Do you know in Australia, so I think it's about 50, 48% or something like that in the last um, census said that they were Christian. That's of the 50% that actually filled that box in. But then... Those that were, te- it gets down to about 15 to 18 uh, to 8 percent, somewhere in there, that actually attend church more than once a, a month. Is that what it looks like to be Christian, a Christ follower? For, for most, this is about Jesus following us around. Answering a prayer every now and again, a request for safety or, or something like that. Not about us responding. Us being the apprentices. You know, um, and I feel in Jesus' time, there were these groups. There were threes, there were twelves, there were seventies, there were five thousands. All those groups are a part of church. The celebrations with the 5,000, the 70 that were sent, the 12 that were sitting with him, doing, and the three that were the accountability partners. So those things, Mark uses this to contrast the reader. Which category do you fall in when he talks about that crowd? That crowd, that faceless crowd. Where do you fall? Where do I fall? Because in that crowd, there would have been all types. Some responded, some didn't. In Auschwitz, I just read that book, um, The Girl Who Escaped Auschwitz. It's all based on on fact, but it's still a novel. Interesting story about the, the complexities of decisions that we all make in the face of atrocities. How, how do we, we do it? It appears 
to mean that Jesus isn't looking for converts to Christianity. He's looking for apprentices of the kingdom. And the invitation is open to all. In Jesus' days, it was only the best of the best that actually got to sit with the rabbi. But this is open to all of us. And it doesn't matter where you come from, if you have your act together, if you're brilliant or not, old or young, you're invited to follow. I'm invited to follow. It doesn't matter what position you are, we all have that collapsing decision to make. But here's the thing. That kind of life, life to the full, where you are changed from the inside out, isn't racked by anxiety or greed or lust or debt or emotional turmoil. You're set free. You become a part of a family. That you do life together. Like, you know, Janine Mitchell, will they cease to be a part of our group? No, they don't. We go with them. Our wishes go with them. Because we're all a family. When one hurts, we all hurt. How do we be open? You know, this kind of life that Jesus... It doesn't just happen. And you know, you come to church a couple times and, and then you're an expert. You know, you're, you're on fire. Well, sometimes we relapse. This is a day-in, day-out thing. And I know um, I had to do this uh, 2.4K run. And I know that doesn't... Does anybody run marathons here? No? Anybody run any sort of distance? Oh, yeah, look at that. Yep. How far do you run? Okay, 20, so a half marathon, yeah. Yeah, so a half marathon. Now, so if, if I went out tomorrow and said I'm going to run a half marathon and just started running, what would happen? <laughs> yeah, I think I'd rather just poke myself in the eye to get the pain. It's all right. But it's, a, you know, it's like that, isn't it? But if I said, okay, in a year's time, I'm going to run a marathon or a half marathon, or I'm going to run a 2.4. When I did the 2.4 Ks, I just started, started to run and, and run a little bit. Not, not over the top, but I ran a little bit. And then I would walk a bit and run a bit. And before long, I could do the 2.4 K, 5 K, 7 K, 10 K. Building on it, that exercise, that, that working out how you achieve... And you stay connected. What does it look like for you? What are the steps that you need to take? Think about your world at the moment. How do you become an apprentice? What are the steps you need to do, that next step, so that your life isn't static, but connected to the vine? Whatever it takes, I know the Holy Spirit will reach out to you if you ask. I'm just going to pray through that at the moment. If, yeah, let's just pray. Father God, you know the hearts of your followers here in this room. Lord, we all make decisions and I pray 
that as we seek to be your apprentice in this life, that your Holy Spirit will just give us the courage to take those additional steps, those steps that, that help us to be with you, to be like you, and to help others to be like you as well. Thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.